In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my co-host Leif Tulin, we are going to, well, I am going to ask Leif about his thoughts about last night's lottery, and then we are going to discuss the players who stood out and shined in today's first day of scrimmages. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Leif Tulane. Yesterday was actually our first day meeting in person. It, it, it's kind of crazy since I talked to Leif two or three times a week, and we do these podcasts, but we met yesterday for the first time. And then tomorrow morning, I think we're going to hoop, and I, I plan on giving Leif some buckets. Leif's been... Talking about, I need to play, I need to play every day. So Leaf better have game. If he doesn't have game, I'm going to let you guys know. But anyway, I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. Leaf Tulane watches more college basketball than anyone else. All right, your, your second day here. You've been here 24 hours. Tell me about the experience so far. It's been awesome. I mean, it was, it's kind of exhausting. You meet so many people, you're talking basketball, but it's awesome. And today we got to watch two scrimmages and then we're at the very tail end of it as you hear the two minutes call right there and there's a lot of players that really stand out and they're making names for themselves made themselves some money and you're kind of getting in onto the industry for me it's the first time i've been here and you really learn how the nba behind the scenes is working uh for the draft process and through working for the jazz and the stats you learn a little bit about the league and learning the behind the scenes of the process of how they develop players and pick players is really cool to me who has been the person that walked by you or you saw in person and made you say, wow, I'm here? There's been a couple. The very first person that walked by me when I was taking a radio call, I was making appearances back in Salt Lake, was uh, was Cam Whitmore. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then there's been a, a ton dude. of yeah. He's a big dude. There's a there's a couple there's a couple guys like just like legends like Jerry West sat five rows behind where I was sitting to watch the first scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see tons of guys that you recognize and you've been like man that's that's him. Um, and it's I'm a little less starstruck after working for the Jazz and seeing all these pro basketball players and and legends walking the halls. But it's still very cool and I cherish being here for cer- for certain. So we had a pretty cool moment yesterday when a scout for uh, a team said that uh, he listens to our podcast all the time. He showed me on his phone, it was the only podcast that he has downloaded. Well, what did that mean to you when you heard different people from NBA teams tell you that they listen to Locked On NBA Big Board? I was pretty shocked and like feel like they and they kind of made the same comment like hey like we listened to you guys and, and Raphael introduced him to Richard and I and he was like oh yeah I recognize you guys from the podcast I listen to you guys all the time on every car ride and check it out on YouTube and he's like I like your guys' work and reference like specific podcasts we've done so it's definitely rewarding and it's pretty cool to see the intersection of worlds of like you think oh I'm kind of anonymous doing this stuff and now you realize that the big sh- the big guns that we we aspire to be or to interact with know who we are and, and respect our work. Yeah, I had someone tell me from an NBA team that he listens to us to get some of the names and then once he gets the names he goes and and, and gathers his own feedback. But it has been uh, it, it's been pretty. 
I don't even know the word to use, but it's been it's, it's been a good feeling to know that there's so many people that listen to us. I had one scout tell me that he has a two-hour commute to work, and he listens every day. So I apologize, like I apologize for the days I don't get the podcast out <laughs> in time for you. Um, but like I said, I mean it's a good feeling to know that Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast is being listened to by so many influential people. All right, let's let's start off with the lottery. What was your reaction to San Antonio getting the first pick? I wish I could say I was shocked. Like, I was the furthest thing from shocked. We all watched it together, and all of us said, all right, San Antonio. So it seemed like the collective thoughts of the nation, like, okay, Wembenyama is going to be the third big man to the, the Spurs, the number one. Um, but, you know, my big reaction to the lottery in general, though, was it's it's almost like you know st- stats point to chalk, but it's statistically almost a uh, like anomalous. Uh, it's an anomaly statistically for there to be as much chalk as there was up until the sixth pick. Like yeah. that's so unlikely. It's almost as likely as someone jumping from like ninth to first, like the Jazz I'd hoped for. And statistically, that was that was close to happening based on the the level of chalk. If if you were to take which one's less likely, it would have been what happened. Who was, outside of San Antonio, in your opinion, the biggest winner on lottery night? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I would I would say probably Charlotte. I mean, they got number two, and now they have an interesting juncture with their franchise where you can see if they're going to go two guards with LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson, or do they pick someone that fits their who is their franchise player right now, LaMelo Ball. But the reason I say the guy team that gets a two is because they weren't a certainty to be there. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're able to make that pitch and maybe you have a better trade asset, uh, whereas like Portland, I feel like they have to trade their pick now because the, unless Brandon Miller is available, it, the, the, there's no one that you think Damian Lillard's going to want to play with and actually believe he can compete with. So I feel like they lost pretty heavily. Uh, you think Portland lost as a third pick? In a way. I, I mean, the, the, the loss is if this means that Damian Lillard is also gone. I don't think the third pick is a bad pick whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's if they feel that Damian Lillard won't play for the Blazers anymore because of landing that pick and the board falls in a way that is not conducive to Damian Lillard's desires. I think like that helps in a sense. I mean, if they would have stayed at fifth, then he's more than likely, I don't know what's going on, but I think by the third pick, if it's a three-person draft like a lot of people think it is, then Portland can either tell Dame, like, hey, we want to move you and put you in a better situation. I know it would be a very unpopular move, but it might be the best decision for the team long term. Or you, you never know. I'm just thinking out loud here. What, what happens if Portland calls Philly and says, hey, we think James Harden is leaving. We'll give you the third pick and pick protections for the next two years for Embiid. What do you think about that? I'd be pretty shocked if that were to happen, but it does give them an incentive to make a trade. So I don't think they were like enormous losers. I think the the issue for them is the board has to fall away that you can help. If there's not a trade for uh, for them to make a trade, like I, th- I think it's harder to retain Damian Lillard than it is to find someone that can truly put them on a championship contention level yep. based off trading the third pick. I'm a Blazers fan. I'm kind of torn on it. You know, a, a talent like Dame Lillard wants to be there, so you definitely want to make him happy. But I, I don't know what, what they could get. I mean, the third pick helps, but I don't know, like, who would be the perfect piece. Is it Bradley Bill? Well, Bill has a no-trade clause. Who, who could help? 
who, who knows? I don't know about that. All right, let's talk about the fourth pick. Every mock I've seen has the, the rocket selecting Amon Thompson at number four. What do you think about that? I mean, you'd, you'd have the most athletic backcourt in the league instantaneously. Ever? Would it be the most athletic backcourt ever? Uh, upon my about two-second thought, probably. <laughs> Who's the better athlete of the two? Um, I'd go uh, Amon Thompson because I think he's a little bit bigger. Um, there's a little more heft to him. The, the, that same explosion is in a bigger body. But Jalen Green might be more coordinated in the air. So I think you can kind of nitpick it versus, versus pure explosion and athleticism as opposed to functional. Um, but yeah, crazy athletic. I think that, that you basically commit to Jalen Green being your scorer then and Amon Thompson being your point guard. And you're, I don't love the fit necessarily, but you commit to playing super fast and build a style around those guys. Jabari Smith spaces, Shangun secondary creation. It's it's a little bit convoluted. It's not an ideal situation for all those players. I think a lot of them would like the ball in their hands more. Yep. So I think you're getting a good player, and I think there's ways to make it functional, but it, it does give me reservation. Speaking of wanting the ball in your hands or liking the ball in your hands more, we can go back to Charlotte. If you're Charlotte, who are you putting next to Lonzo Ball? Well, around Lamelo, I... Did I say Lonzo? You said Lonzo. But Lamello, around, my around, bad. Around Lamelo. Uh, I'm in I, Chicago, that's why I said Lonzo. Yeah. Lamelo, I don't think is a, a franchise-changing talent right now. He's, he's been injury-prone. He's a really good passer, but he is their star. I I think I just take the better player. I, I, I fluctuated on this. I said on the, when we recorded this initially on, on Bleacher Report when they, had, they got the number one, I said, should they get two? There's a chance I would go with Brandon Miller because he fits better immediately with Lamelo. But I think there's more franchise-changing talent in Scoot Henderson than there is Brandon Miller. So I might just go best player available and hope one of them you can really build around. The other one, should you make a trade, is a very good trade asset. So there's two brains of thoughts on that. So here's a question. If, if, why do some people think Scoot is a franchise-changing talent but he could end up being the third pick and traded while a guy like Brandon Miller is the better shooter, he's older, and he offers more positional versatility. What is the biggest difference? Because it seems like Scoot is the social media favorite. What, what's, what's the biggest difference? I think Scoot's got more potential to be a number one scorer on a team than Brandon Miller does. On a, on, I should say on a team that can contend down the road. When they hit their primes, I think he's more likely to be the number one player on his team, whereas Brandon Miller, I think it would be a tremendous Robin. I don't see him as much of as a Batman. I see him more in the uh, Danny Granger type of role, uh, or Chris Middleton, if, if we want more recent. Uh, Scoot, to me, can be what De'Aaron Fox was, but potentially better. And I think his game's ahead of where De'Aaron Fox was coming out of Kentucky at a younger age. Uh, he gets to the rim explosively, creates. And a lot of people that really are down on Scoot say like look he played poorly at the end of the year I think that was intentionally taking his foot off his gas more than him not playing well and that you could may, you may maybe nitpick and say well why do you do that well he, if in that one game he played Victor Wembanyama and there was arguments that he could have been the number one pick yep. and Wembanyama has been considered the best uh, prospect in sports for the past 20 years by Adrian Wojnarowski so I, I think yeah. there's arguments for it. Yeah, I think everybody's points are, are really valid, and you have to really take it into context. But on one hand, I feel like if, 
like Scoop took his foot off the gas and he played I don't want to say poorly but he didn't play as as well in the second half of the season if a college player did that they would get absolutely crucified because the games are on TV and so on it's okay for a G League player to do that now I think that is like I mean what's what's the word I'm going to use it's it's just a situation. It's a double standard. That's what yeah. I wanted to use. And also, I don't know. It's just very interesting that that school just what in October he would thought he's one A or one B, and now he may fall to number three. While Brandon Miller was like the most divisive prospect coming not into the me. season. I mean, not for you. Definitely not for you. As far as just like scouts that I talked to, I I know one scout had him at number two. And the majority had them somewhere between 15 and, and 17. All right, when we return, we'll talk about players that we think would fit on certain teams based off the lottery standings. And then we're going to get into who performed well at today's opening day of the scrimmages at the NBA Combine. But first, let's talk about building a championship team. And when you build a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it is the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guarantee Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know how the part will fit. Or you will get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available in the U.S. Eligible items and exclusions apply. Once again, big shout out to all the Locked On NBA Big Board listeners. And in the next episode, it will be Richard Stamen and I. And we are going to basically talk about the same thing. The lottery reaction and who stood out and who shined in the scrimmages for Wednesday. All right, Leaf. So we talked about picks one, two, three, and four. If you're Detroit Pistons with the fifth pick, what direction are you going in? I, I think it's fairly straightforward. I'm going with Cam Whitmore, who is fifth on my board, so I'd be going best player available. But also, I really like the foundation of their team. Uh, people could say that the Pistons were big losers because they lost their best player. Worst Gage case Dunning. scenario. So, yeah, it was, the, it, was, <laughs> yes. it was the worst case scenario for them. But in the same sense, they still get back a number one pick. And that's, I'm speaking of Cade Cunningham. They get Jaden Ivey, who developed. Be, uh, his development increased and was far better because Cade Cunningham was out. So now you have an accelerated development. Jalen Duran also got better, gets his point guard back, and then you add a really athletic wing in Cam Whitmore who can shoot the ball. He was excellent in many of the shooting categories per Synergy Sports. He was tremendous in the, in the combine, the athletic testing, finishes strong at the rim. 6'6", 235 with a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, and he looks every bit of it. Uh, Troy Weaver tends to take athletic players. Yep. He took Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey last year as, as an ilk of the player we're talking about. And I, I really think that's the no-brainer pick. I'm not certain what they'll do, obviously. But to me, it's, it's straightforward, and, and I don't have to think too much on that one. I have Ken Whitmore going five there. It, it makes the most sense. You get a 
an athlete like Troy Weaver likes. I actually just saw Troy sitting back there a few minutes ago. I think Whitmore can play the three and the four. Like I said, he loves athleticism. Before he got to Detroit, I'd say they were one of the least athletic teams in the league, and now yeah. he's upgraded the athleticism. And Cam Whitmore is someone that some people are kind of nitpicking. Oh, he doesn't pass. He doesn't do this. I think he's fine in Detroit. He doesn't have to be their go-to guy. He is going to be set up by Kate Cunningham, and his job is to score, rebound, run the floor, make open shots. He doesn't have to be a franchise changer at, at the fifth pick. All right. Number six. Number six. I, I, if I go by my board, number six for me is Osar Thompson. Uh, the Magic have this pick, and that seems overly redundant. So to me, the question is, do they reach for a guy like Taylor Hendricks, who I think that's a slight reach? Uh, do you take someone who's a shooter, because that's what they need in Grady Dick, or, or maybe a Jet Howard, Jordan Hawkins? I don't think they're quite of that same caliber. Jarris Walker's there. I would go with Taylor Hendricks. I think you fit a unique... Uh, player there who can immediately contribute. You already have your ball-in-hand franchise talent in Paolo Bancaro. You've got a guy who can, can easily slot in as a Robin and Franz Wagner. You had another positionally tall, big guy who can really shoot the ball and provide secondary rim protection. There, It is redundant. They have Jonathan Isaac. They've got Wendell Carter Jr. Some of these guys are going to get thinned out, but I think he's, a, he's the guy to take here. Uh, he's got a high floor and someone who can shoot the ball. If it were best player available, like I said, I got Osar Thompson and uh, Jarris Walker, Gigi Jackson kind of ahead. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any of those make as much sense for the Magic as does Taylor Hendricks. Speaking of Gigi Jackson, we are about 20 minutes away from his pro day. I know you probably can't see on the camera, but there's, I I'd safely say there are a few hundred executives, scouts, NBA personnel that will be here to watch Gigi. He is having a Pro day, all by himself. A lot of times the agencies have their guys work out in groups, and so uh, it, it's, it's, it's a big test to perform by yourself with everybody watching and taking notes. All right, let's skip to the Utah Jazz at number nine. I know you wanted Wimbayama. I know you were doing a little ritual where you were trying to get Vic. <laughs> you tried to move up. I tried my best, everyone. <laughs> Ninth pick, you guys stayed in, in the position. First of all, are you upset how the season went? Because there were Victor Wimbayama um, plans <laughs> prior to the season. No, far from it, actually. I think the culture, the foundation that was built by Will Hardy and in the, in the, in the team that was new. Like, that, the groundwork was torn apart. They come together. They cultivate a nice season. They were number one in the West through 13 games. And you were like, oh, okay, this is unsustainable. You're correct. But what is sustainable is you have a coach. You found your coach of the future. You have an all-star in Lowry Markin. Do I think he's a franchise-changing star? No. But do I think he is a guy who can really help a basketball team? Absolutely. Walker Kessler, the 22nd pick, was phenomenal. It exceeded all expectations laid for him. Was was a first-team all-rookie player. Ochag Baji had spurts at the end. And those are three of your foundation pieces. You have three picks, and you have a bunch of picks in the future years as well. So I actually think this was an accelerating of the timeline. Sure, if you give Wembenyama, you can make that argument. But there's no guarantee. The number one, the worst team this year didn't get the number one pick, and that's five Fifth straight year, years. Yeah. Year in a row. So, as for the Jazz, I think their options are simple. Positionally, if you're to look at their starting lineup, what is deficient? I think they need a point guard, and I do think they need a point guard of the future. Anthony Black, Case, and Wallace slot in here. There's also this athleticism that for the past couple years, not necessarily this past year, the Jazz have not been tremendous at in the front court aside from Rudy Gobert. So, you got Jarris Walker, Gigi Jackson. Those guys are higher on my board. Um, so I, I think, depending what the teams in front do, I really like G.G. Jackson's upside swing. I don't know 
if that's going to be the pick. Jarris Walker makes sense. I think Kaysen Wallace and Anthony Black will be the most likely the picks, but I think Danny Ainge has typically prioritized athleticism. Like you think of some of his previous picks, and there's a lot, a lot of athleticism. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a wing at nine and guard at 16, maybe a guy like Jalen Huchafino, Kobe Bufkin. And that's where I would personally incline myself for the Jazz to do. All right, let's talk about the fit with Jairus Walker and Walker Kessler. Yep. What do you think about that fit? I'm very confused as to what his role would be because Lowry Markin would be the, the best player on the team. He'd be playing the three. Jairus Walker would be the four defensively. And I think Walker Kessler is obvious. He's just rim protecting. He's going to develop as an offensive player. So the question for me is what does Jairus Walker do when a lot of his best traits are kind of subtle, really good passer, slasher, strong guy? But typically you don't want to take the ninth pick and have him just be like defensive and, and, and shoot the ball on a catch and shoots. You want the ball in his hands more and I don't see that role for him. I like the idea of him as a high floor guy. I'm less sold on his ceiling, but especially on a team like the Jazz that have a lot of talent in those same positions he would occupy. Whereas Gigi Jackson I think would be given the, the time to cultivate his rare unique talents to a point where I think he has a higher ceiling than Jairus Walker, but I think Jairus Walker is more immediately ready to contribute. So it really depends which franchise takes them and says, hey, here are our immediate aspirations and here are our long-term aspirations and how they're weighted. And so that's the interesting question for me, should they go wing between those two? All right, All right when we return, I'm going to get Leaf's thoughts on who stood out and shined in today's scrimmages. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. Let's just get to the games today. Who caught your attention the most? Like, who stood out to you and you think helped their draft stock the most today? Uh, I think the bit, two biggest that stood out to me in the one we just watched all of from the front row was Tristan Vukcevic shot phenomenally. Like, his touch was amazing. When we started recording, he was 8 of 10 from the field with 21 points. A really quick touch. And then Brandon Pajemski looked phenomenal uh, as a facilitator. He's someone that uh, you, you have your questions like, oh, is he kind of diminutive? What's his immediate role? Can he compete against the big boys after playing at Santa Clara from transferring from Illinois? Well, his reads, his passing was great. And then from the first game, if we're going back that way, I thought Dylan Mitchell made himself some money, hit, yep. a, hit a three, showed his tremendous athleticism, and a little bit improved shot sh uh, shooting stroke. And then Amari Bailey and Reese Beekman also stood out to me. Reese Beekman, really good defensively, plays in a blocker mover in Virginia. That's very slow pace for those of you who don't know what that means. It means that they set a million off-ball screens until they finally get a shot. But he showed his defensive prowess as the ACC Player of the Year, evident now, and playing with pace and pick and roll, which I think really suits his game. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers here. Tristan Vukovic, 8 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 3 from 3. 21 points, 16 minutes. He did have four fouls. And then Prajemski, who I thought really helped himself also, he finished with four of nine from the floor, two of six from three, but he had seven rebounds, eight assists, and two steals and 10 points. Anybody else catch your attention? Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry, Dylan Mitchell did not did even attempt a three. I know he didn't make one at Texas, and when I saw him, he he was letting it fly confidently. I think he's gained 
himself, uh, some fans, and I think he's made himself a lot of money. What did you What did you think about Dylan uh, Mitchell? I share the exact same sentiment, and I I'd be pretty surprised if he plays tomorrow. Quite frankly, I oh, think. Oh, I, he's, he's definitely. It's gonna be yeah. DNP, sore ankle, yeah. hip pointer, tight back, something. Yeah, and and what for those of you who aren't familiar with reading between the lines, that essentially means that he has secured himself a a nice pick, and I think he'll be between 20 and 30. I spoke with him after the game. I asked him a question about what uh, so much is made of his shot. What else have you improved since Texas? Because he played a pretty sheltered role. What I mean by that is most top 10 like recruits, they go in, he's from Montverde, he's got a big name. They get the ball, they get showcased. He, He talked about how they had a tenuous position where their, their team was veteran. They had aspirations to win a championship. They were nearly Final Four good, and they had a coaching change. But they became closer, and his role wasn't conducive to num- putting up numbers. But he tried to do what he could do his best, and he thought he got better as a holistic basketball player. And his shot, he mentioned that his form, they said, you know what, your shot doesn't need that much work. You just need to l- release the ball a little bit sooner, and you get repetitions. It's, it's hard to shoot confidently when the coach and the, and the staff recommends you don't shoot those shots. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty insightful of him, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I think he's going to be between 20 and 30 in the NBA draft. Oh, wow, 20 and 30. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. As you can see, we are live in Chicago, Illinois. They just wrapped up the first day of scrimmages, and in a few minutes, the pro days are going to start, and I'll be attending a few of the pro days, and I will give you some insight on that tomorrow. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, Leaf Tulane, and we are out.